Are you ready for TCT360? The event for 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence is back. Wherever you are in your AM journey, our fully CPD certified program will have something for you. See Additive in action as 250 plus exhibitors run live demos of their machinery and equipment. Hear from NHS England, Rolls-Royce, Boeing, J-Bull and more as they take to the stage to discuss the latest applications. It's time to reconnect with your community after almost two years apart. Signing up is free and takes just a couple of minutes. So register today and prepare to join us at the NEC Birmingham on the 28th to the 30th of September 2021 to see Additive in action. Hello and welcome to the Additive Insight podcast, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm your host Laura Griffiths and we are back this week with another executive interview, this time with Ultimaker Chief Technology Officer Miguel Calva. Miguel joined the desktop 3D printing company back in February, having previously been a user of its machines and now oversees R&D of Ultimaker's product portfolio. Here, Miguel talks about how that hands-on experience is influencing the company's user-centric approach, why some of the best use cases of Ultimega technology can be found on its own production line, the importance of having an AM ecosystem, and cracking the code on getting 3D printing into mainstream businesses. If you like what you hear, don't forget to click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive insight, head on over to tstmagazine.com. We can get your free print subscription to the mag and get the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week. So hello, Miguel. Very good to have you on the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks, Laura, and it's uh, great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So we're here to talk about Ultimaker, and of course, you have a bit of an interesting backstory with the company. You started out as a user of Ultimaker machines. Can you tell us what we used in the technology before before you came on board? Yeah, sure. So actually, my journey with uh, additive manufacturing starts quite a bit before um, investing in Ultimaker machines in my previous company. Um, back in the, the mid-2000s, as a, as a fresh graduate uh, working in the automotive world, Mm. Uh, designing diesel engines, um, we heavily utilised uh, additive manufacturing, both uh, SLA as well as DMLS, uh, and even printing wax um, patterns for in- investment castings. Um, so it was a it was a technique we used a lot. Of course, subcontracted out back in those days mm-hmm. um, to really help the engineers um, look at designs, visual prototypes, and even functional prototypes in metals um, before before launching hugely expensive tools for mass manufacture. But if I roll forward to 2015, um, I actually met uh, with the Ultimaker partner in the UK um, at TCT. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'd already started thinking about bringing um, FFF into, into Lynx, the company I was with, Lynx Printing Technologies, um, to, to help sort of speed up um, prototyping and, and our design rounds. Um, but it wasn't until 2017 and the release of the three extended uh, that I invested in the first machine. And that really was about really fast design turns. So we'd have uh, engineers designing injection molded parts um, and then overnight printing them. And the next morning, uh, really starting to do fitment trials, uh, you know, looking at um, how different parts of the assembly went together um, and also started thinking about assembly processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that quickly snowballed. So uh, in the end, we were, we were printing some weird and wacky parts. We, we sourced a very highly conductive PETG 
uh, from China to, to print electrodes um, that fitted directly to PCBAs. Um, and it was the Ultimaker open system that actually was the first reason I went for them. Uh, and, and really by the end of, of my stay, sort of uh, six years later, um, that those printers were used for a variety of different tasks from prototyping to manufacturing jigs and fixtures. Um, the assembly line at Lynx, if you walk down there today, I would say at least 50%, if not more of the jigs and fixtures color-coded, printed on the fleet of uh, Ultimaker printers that they had by the time I left. Wow, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of those applications and also the open materials platform as well a little bit later on. But what ultimately led you then from being a user working in the automotive industry to actually joining Ultimaker as a company? Uh, it really was seen seeing that direct impact of the technology, you know, through my career working in automotive, aerospace, uh, industrial printing, clean power generation, I've always sort of worked with teams at the, the top end of the technologies uh, of those industries and have, have enjoyed working with cross-functional engineering teams. But really seeing the impact of the of the 3D printers that Ultimaker made in, in, in my previous company, how approachable they were, how, how our, our engineers wanted to to get on the machines and, and have parts in their hands, um, it, it really kind of inspired me in, in a sense that, that that we managed to deliver so many different things out of the machines and, and they were the same machines we purchased sort of three, four, five years before, mm-hmm. but we were constantly doing new things with them. And, you know, when 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 that first phone call came and, and uh, you know, it was mentioned that an additive manufacturing company wanted a, a CTO to come in, I was already, you know, a big user of technology and, and, and really enjoyed working with it and, and seeing how the impact it can have on engineering teams. Um, and then I found out it was Ultimaker and, and having used the, the equipment, knowing, you know, the ease of use, the flexibility, um, it just it just really fitted and, and, you know, being able to be part of the team that's defining the future of fused filament fabrication, uh, it was it was just too interesting and too exciting not to not to take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I guess it must be really nice, given the different types of industries and customers that Ultimaker works with, you know, you can really uh, expand the industries that you're getting to work with then as well, further than what you were doing before. Yes, indeed. Uh, I've, uh, during my onboarding and, you know, the seven months I've been with the business, I've spoken to many of our partners and, and a lot of end users from, you know, huge global corporations to, you know, uh, tiny uh, one-man band type companies that are that are selling prints on on hubs. Um, and it and it's been fantastic to see the uh, the vast variety of applications that the printers are used for, and it actually it triggers a lot within the team when you come back from those types of sessions and discuss with our R and D engineers. Um, it really triggers even more ideas of what we can do to 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 expand the applications of our printers further. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we think of um, bringing 3D printing into a company, you get the impression that the questions that maybe um, leadership asks are maybe different to the ones that um, the engineers and people actually using the technology might ask of it. But how has this hands-on experience that you had beforehand influenced your work as CTO? And does it change the way you make decisions? Do you do it through that user lens? Yeah, absolutely. You know, user centricity is is really, really important um, for us at Ultimaker. Uh, and especially when you're working in this industry where, you know, 3D printing's been around for a very long time. FDM's been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the market only really opened up in, in sort of uh, 2010. And, uh, you know, our foundation as a, as a business in 2011, right at the beginning of those desktop machines that become available. But we're still finding our feet. We're still, you know, the penetration is is expanding every day in, in, in industry. But 
you know, there's the, the market's still really trying to find where it's going and, and, mm -hmm. and how to do it. And being very close to the users is, is one of the ways to make sure that, you know, that we're there at the, at the cutting edge delivering what our users need. So mm -hmm. having been a new user, having looked across the market, having decided to pick up an FDM machine and then ultimately an Ultimaker FDM machine, going through that onboarding journey of, you know, what's this slicer thing and how does it work? <laughs> And, and that whole workflow of getting from an idea, um, you know, through a CAD package to an STL file into a slicer sliced, and then all those different parameters and settings that you have available at your disposal in, in Cura to having a final piece that actually does what, what it needs to do, whether it's a visual prototype, a functional prototype, whether it's something that you use on the assembly or production line. Um, having experienced that, that, that onboarding into the technology is really, really important because one of the barriers really into 3D printing in a lot of businesses is, is that expertise that it's, you know, it's seen that you need to have uh, experts that, that are really experienced mm -hmm. users. Um, and what we're trying to do here at Ultimaker is, is kind of take out some of that need and, and make an end-to-end -end process from idea to, you know, finished part and even reproducing that finished part without needing to be such an expert. Um, and, you know, having having been working in with 3D printers for so long, I've seen that evolution, but there's so much more that we can do. So it mm -hmm. absolutely influences my work as CTO, you know, responsible for technology strategy, um, working with users, but having been a user myself to really sort of look at the path forward and, and understand what it is that people need and keep that user centricity in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it then, the way the, the market is day by day expanding into industry and Ultimaker has really been at the forefront of this transition of desktop 3D printers being viewed as hobbyists of maker devices into true industrial focused machines that we see on shop floors all over the world. What would you say are some of the biggest developments that have supported that transition? And I guess, is it things like the accessibility that you were just talking about a moment ago, you know, when, you know, people not having to be these um, super experts with, with additive manufacturing to use this technology? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the move into into entry, it, it, it did start with with a great printer, right? A great hardware platform that uh, when desktop printing first came out, you know, every user would be watching that first layer go down because that was the first point of real failure and then through the process always going back to the machine making sure everything was going well and you know ultimaker made a hardware platform that you know just works it has a really high degree of success um industry leading but but that's that's not where it ends that's only the very beginning i would think that the the real transition to to ultimaker being picked up in industry is that they considered not just that piece of hardware that sits mm -hmm. on the benchtop or the desktop, they really focused on the end-to-end -end process. So the developments of Ultimaker Cura, from its very earliest days um, to, to where it is now, usability, you know, the user experience has been central to that. Making it the base to get into the platform, uh, the digital factory tools, the digital library, places to store, uh, you know, your your print files and your uh, with all the settings, etc., the marketplace that allows access to all those amazing materials from all the the leading material makers around the world. You know, we're very conscious we have our own materials and they're highly tuned for our system. But through Cura and the marketplace, you have access to you know over 215 materials at last count, and I guess the last time I looked was last week, so it's probably gone up by one. <laughs> um, it, you know, those that material place isn't just you know, here's a load of materials, have a go. 
each one of those materials has a printing profile that's been tuned for an Ultimaker machine. Mm -hmm. So by putting effort into the tools that we deliver to our material suppliers, for example, you know, we, we don't just deliver software for our end users, we also deliver tools uh, for our ecosystem partners to use to develop profiles, to, you know, offer um, their products in our marketplace. Um, and by, by investing in the APIs, those software tools for our partners, we've enabled this ecosystem to build around us. So that, that real focus on end-to-end -end usability, not just on great hardware, but a great process from start to finish has really helped uh, businesses pick up the, um, the product and, and, and actually buy into the platform. And, and most businesses I've talked to, they had an idea of what they're going to use the printers for. And if you talk to them a year later, they've expanded the use of the printers by so much because of that mm. ecosystem that's built around the platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really wanted to touch on the, the ecosystem because I attended the Ultimaker Transformation Summit um, earlier this year and that was what much of the content was focused around. We heard a lot about the importance of an ecosystem and having all of those pieces of the AM puzzle working together. And I guess with your experience as an end user, you can um, testify to how useful that must be. You know, as you say, when you're looking to find um, what you might want to use 3D printing for, the right materials to use, how to use the right software, I guess you must really understand the importance of that. Absolutely. So, you know, if I take an example from my past um where, where you know an engineer, um, an electronics engineer was was thinking about a, a new solution to developing a, an electrode and um, and just asked the question, hey, could we three D print it? Because the lead times I'm getting from uh, from all the suppliers that, that we're looking at are so long, and we, we just want to see if this works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, logging onto the marketplace and simply typing in, you know, the word conductive into the search, and then coming up with four or five materials that are stated to be um, electrically conductive and then you know having direct access in each of those material pages to the technical data sheet to actually find out you know what the conductivity was what the base material is um, you know it, it, it took literally minutes before we decided hey let's just buy a spool of material um, mm -hmm. and see if it works you know the material arrived three days later um, it had to be shipped from abroad um, it took us you know a couple of days to get it printing really very well because the part was was very very small and directly on the pcba um but but within days we had a functional prototype and proved that the process would work and and that was you know a, a week into a, an eight-week lead time if we'd have outsourced uh, making that tiny little component for the pcba so so just the ability to be able to log on to the platform and just search those 215 materials yeah and it, it wasn't 215 back then um it, it it's so powerful actually and and being part of that ecosystem and having the ability to, you know, get materials from the world's biggest polymer makers is is really really powerful for engineers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are so many well-known um, polymer and chemical companies that Ultimaker is now partnered with to um, validate their materials for the system and really optimize them. And how has that um, openness to materials and these materials partnerships influenced the kind of applications that we're seeing coming off Ultimaker machines today? It must have really opened up the application scope. Oh, I think it's it's the keystone in in the adoption of um, FFF in businesses. So, you know, Ultimaker have have twelve materials, and they cover a wide gamut of use you know use cases. Uh, my first purchase of a UM three extended was because of the Ultimaker nylon. We had very specific reasons why we had to have nylon components, and you know they had it out the box, and and it worked very well. 
But when I roll forward to some of the other applications in my prior company, when I look at the applications in our very large customer base, um, having the ability to print, for example, carbon reinforced polymers, um, to print um, you know, biodegradable, recycled materials, our customers have so much choice that, that they're not limited within you know, a closed system of what they can produce. Uh, mm -hmm. Rather, our platform enables them to think in the ways that they want to think and in to innovate without restriction. So it's really a keystone. Having this ecosystem around our platform is an enabler. You, you don't feel a restriction as an engineer or as a, uh, you know, even a designer or an architect as to, as to what you want to print. You, you have the confidence that you, know, you can log on, go into the marketplace, or even just a quick search in Google and, and you'll find something that's compatible with Ultimaker, uh, and you can you can conduct the task that you want to do without without any real boundaries. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we know three D printers are great, but they're nothing without the good applications that go into them. And you've mentioned some of the applications that you've worked on before joining Ultimaker, but the company has a real growing roster of well known customers. We've seen things like jigs and fixtures being printed on the production floor at Volkswagen and L'Oreal using it for developing new consumer products. Can you talk about any applications or customer stories that have stood out to you since you came on board? I, th th there are so many I could talk to. In, in, in fact, last week I, uh, I visited Rolls-Royce at their headquarters in Derby and saw some really amazing things. Um, oftentimes, uh, we can't discuss some of the very Always uh, the intricate, way. <laughs> yeah, intricate and complex things. So, you know, you mentioned the big, the big ones that we have case studies on, the Volkswagens, the, the, the L'Oreal's. What I would say, though, is during my onboarding, one of the things that, that that really struck me was our own plant in Zaltbommel. So we have a production facility where we uh, assemble our printers, of course, um, and walking around that plant, being introduced to the plant by the quality engineers and the manufacturing engineers and looking at, you know, how Ultimaker truly do, you know, kind of in quotes, eat our own dog food, um, looking at the, the lean, um, uh, the, the, the lean mindset that we have in everything that we do and utilizing our own 3D printers in the production methodologies of making our 3D printers is truly astounding. Mm -hmm. uh, but not just in the assembly lines, but around the plant. Um, so for example, there's this really simple application um, where they have this sort of box open and close tool. Um, we did a, we did a, a webinar on this um, some time ago, but it's a really simple design from our manufacturing engineers. We have a lot of cardboard boxes in a very large warehouse and of course, our plant is scrupulously clean, but cardboard creates a lot of dust. Um, and so, you know, one of our engineers designed this neat little tool that slides between the flaps of uh, open boxes when the, uh, when the packing tape's been cut and it keeps the flaps closed and it's made from bright colors so that when you're going into the warehouse and looking at uh, a large rack full of uh, components, you can see very easily the box that's already open but the flaps are kept closed and it stops too much dust getting into there. Really simple application, mm -hmm. but really, really powerful, right? Um, we also use Kanban in our plant. Um, so, you know, systems where we can see, you know, we always have the next, uh, the next load of parts available ready to, to hit the line. Um, but we use color coding tools to indicate the stock levels. Um, so we have these, these racks, these flow racks that, that, that boxes or, um, or, or crates are put on. Um, and, you know, the, the engineers have printed out these sleeves that go onto the rollers and they're color coded, they're green, orange and red. And so without even having to count the number of boxes on the flow rack, um, you can actually just visually see very quickly 
whether uh, whether the loading on the rack is adequate to continue the day's manufacturing. If if you can see some orange rollers, you know, then then the replenishment is uh, is needed soon. And then as soon as you hit a red roller, of course, the replenishment has to happen immediately. Well, they're simple color coded sleeves that fit over the rollers, and they can be assembled and disassembled with no you know, adhesive residue or without um, stripping down the parts. So very, very quickly. So depending on what's going through production, we can actually modify our Kanban levels. Really, really simple, mm-hmm. but only really possible to do printing in polymer in different colors. Um, so th- there's there's some just really fantastic applications in our own in our own plant and including safety uh, critical things like, you know, we print um, safety covers for the uh, for the the plug on the on the printer to make sure that nobody can print uh, plug the printer in until uh, the final station after high pot testing mm-hmm. um, and so we have these bright yellow plugs that fit into the uh, into the kettle lead and and it just stops anybody from doing anything they shouldn't so infinite applications in our customers a lot of which we can't talk about uh, but when I look at our own implementation of, of the product in our own plant it's easy to see um, how versatile and useful the printers can be in in, in an industrial type environment yeah, definitely. I mean, those are some great examples. It's always nice to have the, the big companies and, and case studies, but it's very often those, as you say, simple applications uh, that turn out to be uh, the most meaningful. They might not be the most exciting, but they certainly have a, a lot of value over time. So I, I went back and looked over the announcement that was made when you first joined the company um, ahead of our conversation. And in the announcement, you shared how you couldn't wait to, quote, help the business outgrow the flourishing 3D printing market, end quote. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that and the progress that has been made to achieve it? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So so obviously in April we, at our transformation summit, we mentioned this, you know, this change of focus from a um, a product-based company to a platform-based company with this ecosystem that grows around the platform that's open, it's integrated, it's continuously evolving. Um, and so that was really just the start. Um, so, you know, in, in, in my onboarding, and even today I still do it, I'm, I'm going out and speaking to, you know, you mentioned those, those world-leading polymer makers, uh, but also hardware manufacturers, software companies, um, and I'm personally meeting with the leaders there and putting them in contact with, with our team to, to really start stimulating um, more entrance into the ecosystem. Um, we're, we're pushing out updates very frequently on digital factory, digital library, you know, our essentials uh, and professional excellence uh, cloud plans. Um, previously, you know, we, we released the ability to open native CAD files in Cura something that you know people have been asking for for some time and the pickup there has been fantastic and the feedback from the market's been great um so being able to bring more applications more solutions into the ecosystem you know built on top of our platform uh, and really enable our users to implement the investment they've already made in wider and wider uh, applications is it's happening now it happens every six weeks as we release new firmware as we update digital factory with continuous integration and deployment um we're pushing forward very much with this uh with this ecosystem play and and what i see there is that you know the market around us is all still developing um finding its feet but we're laser focused on helping businesses do more with the product that they already have from us um which will help them to outgrow their own industries, uh, markets, and in doing so help us to do the same inside of 3D printing. So it's all about that laser focus on the ecosystem, on the platform and our end users, um, and, and the potential 
in this hugely growing you know area of industry is huge but it's, but you know we truly believe that focusing on that ecosystem and bringing the flexibility to our users will help us continue our growth um, to continue to outgrow uh, what's happening in the market okay so over the last year, we've seen how 3D printing really stepped up to the challenge during supply chain disruptions. And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, and there are plenty of different ways that, that companies have um, have responded to this and the ways people have used 3D printing to plug supply chain gaps and, you know, manufacture um, components very quickly um, as opposed to using traditional methods. It's really highlighted the benefits of additive manufacturing when traditional manufacturing routes were, were shut down. Can you talk about how Ultimaker responded to that and, and how your fitting into those supply chain conversations yeah absolutely so so you know i've mentioned a few times our open ecosystem uh, the materials etc you know when 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 covid started we saw this huge shift to to people helping out in in whichever country they're in with ppe so firstly you know people focused on um helping the health services but also internally to their businesses we did the same in in the business I was in as as, as COVID started, um, and you know, by using some of our platform tools, the ability to share models, to share print profiles or um, sliced parts, uh, you can distribute manufacturing um, of, for example, PPE very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's one small way. But but when you think about the open uh, nature of our of our platform, you know. The ability to print metal parts is a good example where um, we have companies that are replacing obsolete components and helping inc- increase or uh, make the, 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 the life of, of certain products longer mm-hmm. by replacing worn components in metal. Um, the ability to print carbon fibre from a 3D uh, printer on your desktop to replace worn components with something that's just as abrasion resistant, just as strong. Um, so it's it's about again coming back to that ecosystem and, and enabling people to uh, to utilize the hardware that they have to plug those gaps. And people started thinking more during the pandemic of what can I do more in-house? You know, how can I help myself keep keep my business going? Um, and you know, we're always available. Our application engineers love hearing from end users and our partners around the world. Having a really solid, secure partner base of experienced. Um, vendors who who understand our technology and can support our customers um, as and when they need it is is also really important so investing in that too mm-hmm. um, so it, it's really just about you know again focusing on the platform and the ecosystem and and, and showing our users and, and potential new users uh, the variety and flexibility of what they can achieve to enable them to to solve their own problems internally rather than relying on external parties so you mentioned things like, um, you know, the, the the knowledge gap to um, access 3D printing and, um, you know, we've just talked about challenges around supply chain as well. Are there any other key challenges within the industry that you think we're not really talking about enough? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. I think, I think one of the challenges you, you mentioned um, being an expert user to get the best thing out, out of the printer or, or the, the right function of the part that comes off, whether it's visual a functional prototype, a useful part in your in your factory or in your business. I think that um, accessibility to the printers and the ability to get from idea to useful part right first time is is the key, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's all about the user experience and the approachability of of the whole platform. 
So, you know, we make excellent printers, we can make them better in hardware. We make great software, we can make the individual bits of the software better. But how you string those together from beginning to end to make a seamless process that anybody can use, I think that's probably uh, the biggest area where we, you know, where we succeed. But to say that we're, you know, we're leading in that area, I think is probably underplaying how much more there is to develop there. You know, I think we're, we're excellent and we deliver great um, user experience and usability, but, but I think there's so much more to be done in that area to break down the barriers and really make the, the system uh, available to all. So much of the AM industry today is heavily focused around using AM for production and industrialization. And when you think of that, we tend to think of big industrial machines. Where does Ultimaker fit into this conversation around production and industrialization? Um, so, you know, so, so we're there already, you know, we, we kind of cracked the code on how to get 3D printing into uh, mainstream businesses and, in, mm-hmm. and industrialized uh, industrial companies. Um, so, so the 3D printing market is, is huge, you know, the industry is big, and I think it's big enough that there's, there's plenty of space for players at different levels. Um, we, we really fit into any business, big or small, you know, from from a one-person company all the way up to multinational corporations who want to print repeatable, reliable, precise parts um, and do so consistently, right? And so I think we have a, a, a really big uh, a really big area to play in um, in that kind of desktop, benchtop, professional printing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting bigger, getting smaller, uh, there are other opportunities, but really the sweet spot for us is 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 those parts that go into machines, um, those visual prototypes that can be used, you know, in an office or on a shop floor that can be printed reliably, reliably, consistently with precision, time and time again. That's really where we sit, um, and we'll continue to play there, and we'll continue to to innovate um, to help users on the industrial side, for example, where we bring more materials to, to the marketplace, but also to our own portfolios. And we bring other add-ons that will help uh, people in the industrial world to continue to implement 3D printing in more and more applications. Okay. And just before we close out, can you just tell us a bit about your ambitions for Ultimaker now as CTO and give us any hints towards what might be on, in your future product roadmap? <laughs> So, um, so of course, uh, I, I'll, I'll not tell you what's, what's coming. We've got some really exciting things in the wings. Um, but really the focus is, you know, if we, we come back to it, the focus is the end user of, of, of developing the platform to enable that ecosystem to grow wider, to grow bigger, to, to highlight new innovative ways to implement 3D printing into people's uh, working lives. And whether that be focused in heavy industry or on the more creative side, you know, we have artists using our platform as well as, you know, aerospace companies and, and parts, you know, being launched to space. Mm-hmm. We, we have such a wide gamut that the, the focus really is bringing the usability, user experience, right first time um, thinking uh, to bring reliable, repeatable, precise 3D printing to as many people as possible. But to do that at an approachable uh, level with regards to investment as well. You know, we we really enjoy being able to bring the abilities of these machines 
to the smaller businesses that don't have 200,000 euros to invest mm-hmm. uh, in 3D printing solutions. So we want to we want to keep our open uh, our open mentality. You know, the open source software and hardware that we have is is seen as a as a plus point here at Ultimaker, and we'll continue to support the open source community and those home users that want to use our software and our hardware. But we're also focusing on you know those professional users and what we can do to make their lives easier simpler quicker with more repeatability and precision um, and as i say our, our product roadmap's really exciting we've got some excellent things coming in the wings but uh, you'll have to stay tuned as those launches happen to uh, to be updated on where we're going Are you ready for TCT 360? The event for 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence is back. Wherever you are in your AM journey, our fully CPD certified program will have something for you. See Additive in Action as 250 plus exhibitors run live demos of their machinery and equipment. Hear from NHS England, Rolls-Royce, Boeing, J-Bull and more as they take to the stage to discuss the latest applications. It's time to reconnect with your community after almost two years apart. Signing up is free and takes just a couple of minutes. So register today and prepare to join us at the NEC Birmingham on the 28th to the 30th of September 2021 to see Additive in Action. Thank you.